Sometimes people um, have pointed out that Pentecost we're celebrating today is the birthday of the church. Um, Pentecost was the day, it was not long after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, when he poured out his Holy Spirit upon the church to equip the church uh, for the church's mission. So in some ways, that was when the church started, that day of Pentecost. And so sometimes people say, well, it's the church's birthday. So it just struck me, well, actually, it wasn't designed this way, but I thought it was actually quite a nice day to be having our annual meeting. Because birthdays are a chance, aren't they, to look back over the last year that we've just had and to look forward to the year to come. And uh, that's what we're doing today. We're going to celebrate with a party afterwards, complete with uh, cake, and uh, not one, but two bouncy castles. So uh, welcome to the church's birthday party. Um, But the trouble is, the older people get, is this true? I think it is. Birthdays... um, sort of tend to get less and less exciting, sadly, don't they? I mean, I'm sort of, I don't think I'm, I actually love a birthday, so I'm not at that stage yet, but I probably am at the stage where I actually sometimes have to sort of just think for a moment. If somebody says, how old are you? You know, when you're, if you ask Fred how old he is, two and a half quickly comes back, he knows exactly how old he is. I sometimes have to go, am I, I just, did I just turn, or was that my next birthday? I'm not quite 100% sure, maybe you feel the same. Um, so if that's right, well, the church is maybe creaking along a bit, isn't it? This church has been here for, no one quite knows, Peter Madison will tell us, a thousand years, something like that, maybe longer, we don't really know. And the church in general is nearly 2,000 years old. There's been a lot of Pentecosts since the first one. And you could just imagine, actually, you know, the first few birthdays of the church were really exciting. Actually, if you read the Book of Acts, if you've ever done that, oh my word, it's, it's so exciting what was happening at the beginning of the church's history. But is the church still something to get excited about today? And we as members, as we celebrate the church's birthday, are we, are we doing so with enthusiasm? What encouragement is there for us on the church's birthday? Well, I just want to focus for a few minutes, not on the whole of this uh, reading, which I've just um, read, but on the last verse of this chapter, just that verse 58. It's such a great verse. It's one of the great verses in the Bible, the climax of this wonderful chapter about the resurrection. And it's a really special verse to me because um, my old vicar, and who was a great inspiration and mentor, is a great inspiration and mentor to me, um, on his last uh, Sunday, just before he retired a couple of years ago, he chose for his very last sermon to be based on this verse. He's somebody who'd been a vicar for a long time, celebrated a lot of APCMs and Pentecosts, He'd been a, church, uh, been a Christian for a lot longer than that. But he was just as excited about the church as ever. And he preached on, on verse 58, and that's what I just want us to be encouraged by now. Let me read it again, verse 58. It says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Or in the old version, it used to say, be steadfast, immovable. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Or always abounding in the work of the Lord, is the way the old one put it. Knowing that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. So I've just got two um, sort of thoughts, two headings from this verse for us. And that is to say that what we're doing is hard work, firstly. But secondly, it's worth it. It's hard work, but it's worth it. So first of all, it's hard work. Notice that there are two different words for work, aren't there, in this verse. It says, always give yourselves fully to the work 
of the Lord. And that word uh, sort of implies a deed or a task or an action. Always give yourself fully to that work of the Lord because you know that your labour, there's another word, labour in the Lord is not in vain. And that word labour actually is stronger in some ways. It it implies toil, strenuous kind of hard work, almost to the point of inducing fatigue and weariness. Labour. It's hard work. Well, perhaps we're thinking, hang on a minute, these are supposed to be encouragements. It doesn't sound like very encouraging to say it's hard work. Because I think we assume that if God is blessing us, well, then surely what we're doing shouldn't feel like hard work, don't we? I think there probably isn't a bit of an assumption about that. I think that's probably what the people who would have been reading this would have first thought. The, the Greeks, this is written to Corinthians, that's in Greece. Well, the, the Greek gods, they weren't working hard, were they? They were all lounging around on Mount Olympus, you know, having grapes peeled for them and being fanned by the, you know, the underlings. They, if you were a, a, a god, you didn't do any work. Uh, and I think I'm right in saying that when Pandora opened her box, you know, and all the evils of the world were released, one of those apparently was work. Work was, it was an evil that was released into the world. I think our world thinks, our culture I think probably assumes similar. I mean, work is a necessary evil. You know, the great goal is to get to the end of the work and put your feet up and relax at the end of the day or at the weekend or ultimately when we retire. That's what we're looking forward to, isn't it? In fact, the other day Hannah said to me, she said, I can't wait till we retire. I said, Hannah, you're 32. That's quite a way in the future. But in Christian theology, work is, work is good. Work isn't evil. Your work, actually, if you go back to the beginning, it didn't enter the world at the point that everything went wrong. Work didn't come in at Genesis 3, you know, when the fall happened, when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit and everything went bad. Work was already there before that. It was there in Genesis 1 and 2. The people had been put in the garden to work and to tend the soil. And that gives a tremendous dignity and worth to our work. It's why people talk about the Protestant work ethic, which isn't really the Protestant work ethic at all. It's a Christian work ethic. Paul worked he doesn't say in this verse, uh, you know, that always do just about what's required in the work of the Lord. You know, always do the acceptable minimum. Uh, you know, he says, he says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And, you know, I've been so humbled. Uh, I think I've got a copy of it down here. The, um, the annual report that we've, we've put together just telling us what we've, what's been going on over the last year. There weren't um, enough, we haven't printed one each of these, there were a few knocking around, I think some people have taken some away last week, and there are a few over there. This is, this is basically telling us what everybody's been up to over the past year, and I've been hugely inspired, encouraged by everybody's labour in the Lord. We're going to hear a little bit uh, from this report in our meeting, at the risk of not wanting to embarrass him, but Julian is going to give us an update on the finances. Julian has been labouring. He's been labouring to get the church's uh, annual accounts sorted. He's been working so hard. We're going to hear from Annie telling us a little bit about the LPAs. And the LPAs have been in training. Yeah, that word to me conjures up, I don't know, doing the London Marathon or something. You go into training, don't you? Well, the the LPAs have been in training, um, trying to make this parish one which is able to care for and to love each other more. Uh, There's so many... um, things which, are, which have been happening in the life of the church, not all of them have, you know, 
been able to sort of make it into that document. I think we've completely overlooked some things which ought to have gone in there. I don't know whether we've mentioned Crafty Cafe in there, but Karen and Heather have been labouring ever for the last six months or so since that was started up on Tuesday mornings to provide a place for people to come and belong and, uh, and create community. We're about to appoint a new PCC. Uh, there are a number who have been toiling away on the PCC and have done their stint. They're going to be standing down and we thank them for their work and a load of new people are going to be um, appointed to the PCC. Well, the PCC actually has got quite a lot of work to do. There are really two main uh, things which tasks would need undertaking. Both of them are kind of related. One is to work through the future of the St Andrew's Church building. Yeah, what's, what's going to happen there? We don't know. That's actually quite, probably quite a bit of work that needs to be done, thinking that through. And a related question is, what's going to be the future of this building? You know, every so often, um, work needs to be done on our buildings. And you know, there's been a desire to do some reordering here for many, many years, and to put a loo in, and to put a kitchen, and to sort the heating out so we don't have to go through another winter like last year, uh, freezing to death. And actually, yeah, those are two related questions. That what we do with our buildings. That's, that's going to be a lot of work for the PCC. It's not going to be a walk in the park, which is why I think Paul says, I think it's encouraging to hear him say it in verse 58, he says, stand firm. Let nothing move you. There'll be plenty of things which are actually attempting to kind of knock us off course or to take the wind out of our sails or to demoralise us or cause us to lose heart and give up. But Paul he was a worker, wasn't he? He talked about his life being poured out, poured out like a drink offering. He wasn't burning out. He didn't burn out. He didn't work too hard. He wasn't chilled out, you know, just coasting along. He was poured out. And so for us this morning, what we're doing, it's hard work, but secondly, it's worth it. It's worth it. Verse 58 Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Your labour is not in vain. Now, I've got a picture here. I don't know whether anybody recognises this building as it comes up on the screen. This is one of the places that I'd apps on my bucket list of you know, places to go and visit, I think, at some point. I don't know whether I probably won't make it because it's all the way over in Romania. Does anybody know what this has all been... Hands up if you've been here. Nobody. This is the Palace of the People, um, which is in Bucharest. And uh, it's one of the biggest buildings in the world. It has the distinction, I believe, of being the heaviest building in the world, which is quite a cool stat, isn't it? It's one of the most expensive buildings in the world to run. It costs something like $6 million a year, uh, just in sort of electricity and running costs and things like that. It was built over a period of 13 years by something like 100,000 people and uh, under the direction of 700 architects. But the thing, that, apart from its kind of grandeur and its size and its you know, beauty, really, which makes this building so fascinating, I think, is the, f- the fact that the whole building is completely pointless. The entire thing is just one colossal waste of time and energy and money. It was ordered to be built by Ceausescu, I don't know whether I pronounced that right, but the communist president of Romania. It was a great big, literally a vanity project. Before he, it was finished, of course, Ceausescu died, and the Berlin Wall came down, and communism was over, and now it stands basically empty. 
It's got over a thousand rooms, and something like 70% of them have never been used. They literally laboured in vain. Um, the word vain, the word vanity, it means empty. And the buildings, literally, it's a vanity project. It's empty. Vanity is quite an interesting word. We can get rid of that now, I think, Peter. Thanks. Vanity is an interesting word, isn't it? We think of, I thought of Vanity Fair, it's the magazine, isn't it? But it's named after um, that bit in uh, The Pilgrim's Progress, if you've read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. And um, the pilgrims are on their way to the celestial city, they're on their journey to heaven. But on the way, on the path to the celestial city, they come across this town called Vanity, where there's a fair. And all year round, every day of the year, there's this fair. And the fair is full of all these lovely things. At this fair, it says, are such merchandise sold as houses and lands and trades and places and honours and preferments and titles and countries and kingdoms and lusts and pleasures and delights of all sorts, all of which are innocent enough, but actually present a huge distraction to the pilgrims who are in danger of actually getting stuck in Vanity Fair and never pressing on to the celestial city. It's a very powerful idea, isn't it? Because actually so much of what we do is in vain. It's vain. In fact, that's why we read that most depressing chapter in the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, because where it says meaningless, meaningless, everything's meaningless, you know, the old version said vanity. All is vanity. And, and Solomon, he tries everything. He tries wine, women, and song. I amassed what silver and gold for myself and acquired male and female singers and many wives, the delights of a man's heart. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Yet when I surveyed all my hands had done and what I told to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. He tries earning money. The problem with earning money is you can't take it with you. He tries working hard to build all this great legacy and actually you have to leave it behind somebody else who hasn't worked hard for it. And so he tries finding meaning in all these different places. And eventually he discovers, if you read through to the end of Ecclesiastes, he learns what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 15, that there's only one thing which is not in vain, and that is labour in the Lord. Your labour in the Lord is not in vain. The church, St. Michael's, Melksham Team Ministry, our church here is not like Ceausescu's palace. Why? Because the church will last forever. Not the building. We don't know the future of the buildings. We don't know the future of the building on Church Lane that was put up in the 1870s. We, I don't know what the future of that building is. I don't know what the future of this building is. Maybe it'll be in here in another thousand years. Maybe it won't be. I don't know. It may well not because... The building is perishable. That's the word in verse 50. And it says the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. But of course we know that the church is not the building. It's so easy to think that, to talk about the church as though it were a building. We know the church is not the building. The church is the people who meet in the building. And we, if we're in Christ, will reign with him, as we sung at the beginning of this service, for 10,000 years and then forevermore. Forever. The church will last forever. That's what this whole great chapter has been about. The whole of 1 Corinthians 15. Just look at the headings. 
to get a flavour for what Paul is talking about, he starts off talking about the resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel, verse 3. He passed on as a first importance that Christ died for sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised, and then he appeared to us. If there was no resurrection, Paul says we might as well all go home, verse 14. Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. We are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has been raised, verse 20, which means that we will be as well. We'll have a, a, the, the dead will be raised. We'll be given a new body, verse 42, so it'll be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that's going to be sown is perishable, but it will be raised, imperishable. That's what we're looking forward to, Paul says. Therefore, verse 58, he's building to this great climax. When it says therefore, we've just got to ask, what's that therefore? What's he, what's he just said in order to reach this conclusion therefore dear brothers and sisters that's why we should stand firm and let nothing move us that's the work of the lord which we're giving ourselves to thinking about eternity preparing people for eternity proclaiming the message of salvation so that we can spend an eternity with him it's always such a risk that the church gets stuck in vanity fair so many churches, it's so easy for a church to just become a very pleasant sort of club, which is actually just focused on what's going on here and now. And it's forgotten the journey to the celestial city. But this is what we're actually here for. Two funerals I took this week. At both of them, we sung Abide With Me. It's such an amazing hymn, isn't it? And, and a favourite of mine and a favourite for a funeral and the, the reason why it's such a favourite is because it has the first 55 in it where is death's sting where grave thy victory I triumph still if thou abide with me that's what we're all about both of those funerals were for people I'd not met before before they died so I don't know whether they would say that this really was their hope, whether they would say that they were abiding in Christ, whether they would want to say confidently with Paul in verse 57, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope they would, and I hope we would, because that's why we're here. That's the victory we have, the victory of the, death, the sting of death being removed. What's the sting of death? It tells us in verse 56. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. The trouble is, we've all sinned, haven't we? We've all broken God's law, and that means that we're all under condemnation. We all face the penalty of an eternity without him. But at the cross, Jesus Christ removed the sting of death by bearing the penalty for himself for our sins. And that is the labour of the church, to prepare people for eternity, to proclaim that message of salvation, the church is about many things, but it must primarily be about what we said at the end of that creed. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So as we celebrate our birthday, and I hope you can join us for some cake afterwards, I hope we're encouraged. I hope we're encouraged. Paul was encouraged. He wanted the church in Corinth to be encouraged. I think he wants us to be encouraged this morning. Dear brothers and sisters, that's what he says in verse 58, isn't it? Here we are, dear brothers and sisters. I hope we're encouraged as well. That annual report is massively encouraging. I hope you had a chance to read it. It's on your emails if we've got your email address and you're signed up for our emails. If you're not, then have a word with me afterwards and you can, we can add you to the list. And hopefully there's one or two copies floating around at the back. We're going to hear in a bit 
uh, more about some of the things that have been happening over the course of this last year. But I hope that we today are encouraged because what we're doing is hard work, yes, but it's absolutely eternally worth it. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray.